Ronananian. Much as everyone's a fan of hybrids and they're all thrilled, ooh, I'm driving a hybrid, I'm saving the planet. Are you? You try and do your part to reduce your carbon footprint. And if you have a hybrid, God bless you, sweet car. And I still think about you every time I'm riding in my car. Car Doctor. A comparable repair on a non-hybrid Ultima is half that $3,000. Welcome to the radio home of Ron and Anian, the Car Doctor. Since 1991, this is where car owners the world over turn to for their definitive opinion on automotive repair. If your mechanic's giving you a busy signal, pick up the phone and call in. The garage doors are open. But I am here to take your calls. At 855-560-9900. And now. That's why there's not going to be any NASCAR hybrid race. The NASCAR hybrid race will be like, here they come. Here's Ronnie. Well, here we are again, folks. Hello and welcome. Ron and Indian, the car doctor. Come on in, sit down. Let's pull up a stool and talk cars. That's what this radio show is all about. Phone number is 855-560-9900. Again, 855-560-9900. The Car Doctor's 24-7 number. They're at your service, available for you all times of the day and night. We are live on the air Saturdays, 2 to 4 p.m. Eastern time. If you're listening in and you want to give us a call at 855-560-9900, you can. But also keep in mind that the 855-560-9900 phone number is 24-7. You can call, leave a message. Our executive producer, Fast Harry, will call you up and uh, get you in the queue and line you up for the next live broadcast, which is when we'd like to answer our questions. This way, not only do we educate you, but everyone else that uh, is listening in and um, help everybody understand their car and its problem and uh, just maybe how to deal with it just a little bit better than they did before, and that's really all we've been trying to do these past 25 years. This radio show also has a website, of course. What day and age? Who doesn't have a website, right? Uh, Cardoctorshow.com. Information there. Tune in. iHeart and iTunes.com. Links to different websites that carry podcasts, so you can subscribe to us any which way you want. Also now out on Google Play, uh, the Car Doctor podcast is. Google has started playing their podcast at Google Play. And um, we're just trying to do our best to come up with different ways to put information into your ears and into your mind so that you understand that thing that you think is a car that I think is a big rolling computer that's out in your driveway. Um, Interesting point, too. I should start before we begin the show, and I guess we have begun the show. Went to class this week on electronic power steering, and it, it was interesting. Put on by AC Delco, uh, sponsored by the folks at Bywise Auto Parts here in New Jersey. Thanks again to the guys at Bywise. And they they asked in the beginning, who's working on electronic power steering? I raised my hand. I've seen a couple of them. Haven't seen a lot of problems yet because it's it's for the reason I'm going to give you in a minute. Not a lot of guys out of the 120 raised their hands, and I'm thinking, well, I guess I'm not alone. And he said, he said, how come you know out of 120 uh, mechanics in this room, uh, half a dozen of you raised your hands? And I raised my hand and I said, because the majority of the electronic power steerings are under recall by General Motors. 2005 Malibu, classic example, the car the wife drives. That electronic power steering is under recall if and when it ever has a problem. Now, General Motors extended the warranty on those 10 years, 150,000 miles. Well, now it's out of warranty, so I guess when it breaks, I'll have to fix it. But the point being that a lot of these haven't been out of warranty. They've been under extended recall in a lot of applications. And it's, you know, the point being that you look at the technology. It took 10 years 
before that vehicle became a concern. And the guy from AC Delco knew it, and this is my point. It took 10 years for that car to be on the road before they said, hey, you know what, these are out of warranty, they're going to start to see them, they're going to have to service them. Let's start to educate them a little bit more than they have been in the past and explain some of the intricacies of the system. And you look at that and you say, look at the technology. You know, cars really have gotten better. This week at the shop, Harry pointed it out to me on Friday, and it wasn't an anomaly. It's something I've been noticing, and I've been saying this for a long time. Friday, we had five cars with check engine lights, one oil change, and two brake jobs. And he looked at me and he said, this is the first Friday I can remember where you've got so many check engine lights because we usually like to do diagnostics in the beginning of the week. And we did diagnostics all through the week. There were check engine light cars every day this week. But he said, look at how it's starting to flip. You're doing more oil changes or you're doing more check engine light cars than oil changes on a regular basis. And I said, yeah, it's, you can see the transition. You can see if this was the 1890s into the 1910s, you're seeing the, the, the blacksmith go away and, and, and shoeing the horse going away and, and the automobile coming into its own. You're, you're at that point in history right here, right now. You're watching it happen. I noticed driving this morning. I went to the chiropractor like I do every Saturday and then off to the deli for, for breakfast. And a lot of new cars on the road. A lot of new cars. And you can tell, you know, new cars real quick. Just look at the inspection sticker here in New Jersey. You see that. And I'm sure other states, you know, you tell by inspection sticker or some other way. Everybody's got a quick way. Gee, that's a new car. That's a new car. That's a new car. But yet, when you talk to repair shops. Everybody's quiet. The Northeast is struggling through one of the quietest time periods in auto repair that I've seen in a long, long time. So much so that on Tuesday, I had a 2003 Honda Civic with a check engine light on. Remember, I told you I had a few. And it was an evaporative emissions problem. I needed a charcoal canister and a bypass solenoid and a vent valve. And first time ever, I called the Honda dealer First time the Honda dealer asked me, are you busy? And I went, excuse me? Not that it's a, but it's just weird. This is the Honda dealer. You know, this is like the holy grail of what everybody wants to drive. And I said, well, you know, I've got cars. I'm okay. We're kind of trucking along. It's it's not like 2007, 2008 before the, before the bust. But, you know, we've got enough to keep us busy and we're filling the day and we're a couple of days out and so on. I said, why? He goes, he goes, it's quiet. And this is a pretty good-sized Honda dealer in the neighborhood. And they said, it's quiet. So much so that the owner's in and he's walking the floor. And it's it's a little bit of an issue. And in his exchange with me, he said, sales are off, used car sales are off, parts are off services off and I said why why do you think that is he said just the cars are getting better he said there's nothing for the service department to really sell people beyond the oil change and he said the oil change is going so long now because people are are falling into that longer oil change interval he said we're in a cycle now what he said that was really interesting to me was what they're noticing is 
the newer cars, and by newer I mean the cars that are three, four years old that are on that longer oil change cycle, that if they keep the car past the 70, 80,000 mile mark, which I realize is ridiculous, like who would get rid of a car at that age? But at that stage of the game, he's saying they're noticing the cars that are on the longer oil change intervals they're the cars that are has still have they're they're starting to have engine issues and oil consumption and problems and you know longer oil change drain intervals maybe maybe that's the issue bottom line the technology is it's it's like a star trek episode it's just you're just watching things flash by at the speed of light and i think the auto industry is on a warp speed max out coming to the point of technology where it's radically going to alter what we perceive and see as auto repair in the coming years. You know, I heard the opening monologue, and, yeah, can you imagine hybrids in NASCAR? I thought about that. Hybrids in NASCAR would sound like, you know, 43 vacuum cleaners going around the track. Whoosh, 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 whoosh. And it just makes you think that the technology is reaching the point where if everybody was driving a hybrid, if everybody was into technology like that. And there was no need for the corner repair shop for the dealership with 40 service bays. How will that impact the economy of the country? You know, I think the number is like 45%. I think the automotive aftermarket and the automotive industry constitutes 45% of the automotive of, of the American economy. And I don't know that we're ready for that change. Can you imagine over time what this is going to look like when we don't need the snap-on tool truck, the Mac tool truck, the uniform guy, the the building maintenance guy, the the, the I mean the list goes on and on. The the guy who makes the sandwiches and the luncheonette because nobody's repairing cars like that. We're all working from home doing whatever in the 21st century. Kind of makes you wonder, but I guess the warning sign will be that the first time they do run a NASCAR race and you hear whoosh 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 whoosh. You know, the hybrids took over, and so did the technology. 855-560-9900. I'm Ron Anini, The Car Doctor. We'll be back right after this. Ron Nini and the Car Doctor here at 855-560-9900, cardoctorshow.com for more information. Let's get over to the busy phone lines, and uh, let's welcome, first of all, say hello to Fast Harry. Fast Harry. Hello, Fast Harry. See, everybody wants to say hello to Fast Harry. How are you today, Harry? Good. What's up, Ron? Well, um, before we go to our first call, I do have a question for you. Beginning next week, um, and I should point this out to everybody, Fast Harry is the hardest working producer in show business. He really is. Well, no, he really is, because beginning next week... Harry will have the eBay store up. Isn't that correct, Harry? Not an eBay store, but a listing. An eBay listing. Okay. See, that's why I have him, folks. He keeps me on the straight and narrow outside the world of auto repair. Um, and explain to us, how exactly is that going to work? We're putting up a T-shirt listing so we can start with T-shirts, right? People. And the problem is everybody just wants one. We can't even get the questions on air fast enough, so we're just going to make them available for sale. And if you want to buy one, you can. Um, how's it going to work? Well, they'll search our ID or they'll search Car Doctor T-shirt. And they'll see your user ID, which is Car Doctor Radio. That's his. That's Ron's eBay user ID. It's actually up there now. You can go there. There's nothing listed yet. 
and then they'll be able to buy one. There'll be five separate listings for each size T-shirt, and, uh, and they can buy it. And they can use PayPal. And they can use PayPal. Right. And uh, we'll Just give it a go. We'll give it a go. We'll make it, we'll make it like that. And then I think right. also, you know, we have hats. We can put hats up there, too. I don't know if everybody's into hats, but... Yeah, we look, can put put hats up there. and Hats and T-shirts, so we'll have six yeah. listings. Okay. And that should be up end of the week coming? Yeah, end of the week. Okay, cool beans. All right, good. If you you're got? lucky, you might get to see me model a T-shirt. Well, we actually want people to buy these. I'm Schwelt. Well, that's true. So you could be the male model. Right. And we'll have to get... Um, uh, Tom to be the female model. There you go. I right. knew you, you two would be nice to each other over there. Are you guys ready to do radio again? I'm ready to go. You know, we have, we, we are actually live have nationwide. A... I just want to point that out. doing what? Yeah, radio. What's that? Yeah, oh. I know. Um, who do you got for me on line one? All right. So our first caller is Frank. Uh, he's called in a few times before. You know Frank from yeah. uh, Rockland, New sure. York. And he's, where do we go with all these computers and these cars? Where is it all coming to? Which is what you were talking about the first uh, part of the hour. Boy, let me tell you. Hey, Frank, welcome back. We're on Indian the Car Doctor, sir. What's going on? Love it. Love it. Wearing a shirt now. You know what? Maybe it's summertime we get some tank tops and do it that way and let uh, let them put that on, but in a different way. I'm not going to go that way. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Yeah. So what is, <laughs> Listen, uh, I'm with you on that. Where, where are we going with this? Um, we started off back in the day, back in the day, and you were just, you were on cue. On cue. Back in the day, we changed the oil in the garage. We would put it there, do it there. Now it's getting to the point where maybe we could just change the air filter like I talked about weeks ago or what, you know? Frank, I'll tell you how bad it's getting. When when I was at class Wednesday night, we were talking, and you know we usually start the classes with a uh, and and these 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 folks that put it on Bywise with Delca that do an excellent job. I can't say enough about it in, in terms right. of the seminar and the right, presentation. Right, right. And Ryan, right. one of the one of the principals in the company, has been working with legislators in Washington because now here's the new game plan, and we're going to start talking about this as I know more. As a matter of fact, uh, I've got Ryan in the wings. In the next couple of weeks, we've got him warming up because I wanted to come on here and talk about it. So uh, the rough the rough edges of this conversation were that are, are you familiar with the Right to Repair Act? What that no, was? No, no, I'm not. To okay, tell you the truth, I'm the, not. That's the, why I think a lot of people out there. That's why I'm bringing this out. Well, here, here's so, the deal. Uh, the, the, we're, we're looking, like you said before, you know, that we're getting cars, all these new cars on the road, right? And and you know, we used to change our oil, what? Every how many thousands of miles, right? Right. Well, now here, and listen. Now, listen, listen up a minute, Frank. Hold yeah. on, hang on, hang on a second. So, the Right to Repair Act was legislation that required it. It was voted on and passed. It requires the auto manufacturers to allow access to repair information and what was at one point proprietary scan tool technology to anyone that's willing to step up and pay for it. It does come at a price. All right. Now, right. The, the, right. the the OE manufacturers kind of don't like that. They do and they don't. Yes, it does. You know, as an independent shop, they know that uh, when somebody asks me what kind of car to buy, as people do all the time, I'm going to really lean that fence towards not only cars that are good, but also cars that I can reasonably get information on. I mean, this, this the, the name of this game is all about money. We know that. All right. People just people just want to drive cars. I mean, it's it's not hard to conceive that we just want to get back and forth to work or wherever we're going. The new storm right. on the horizon, since they've been forced to give us information, the new storm on the horizon is that somewhere in the next five years, there's conversation that the diagnostic connector that we all know under the dash where the scan tool plugs in is on, it, right, it, on the driver's side, right? Yeah, on the driver's side, right, is going, to, is going to disappear. 
And the way we're the way that the dealer is going to diagnose and connect to that vehicle is through Bluetooth technology. And when you drive through the when, when you drive through the front door. Well, to a degree. Exactly. But but here's the bigger here's the bigger problem. It's going to be Bluetooth me, technology. So it's going to be very proprietary because now when you purchase a vehicle in the coming five years, the position of the car companies that's this is what they're lobbying for, and the, the ducks are already being lined up as I explain this. That and no one's aware of it, and we're going to have Ryan on to talk about this because I want everyone to start calling their congressmen and their elected officials to you know make them aware of their discontent if they're so discontented. That yep. when you buy that new car in the coming years, you're buying the hardware. You're purchasing yep. that car like a computer, but the software that the software that runs it is licensed to the vehicle manufacturer, and they're not letting that license out to anybody, just like Microsoft and Windows. You buy a new computer, it's got a Microsoft operating system on it. How you, about Apple with the phone? Same, same thing. thing. You, right. They're locking everybody out, and that's what's going to happen to cars. It's not going to happen tomorrow, but there's talk within the next three to five years, this is what we're going to be dealing with, and that means... For guys like you, the hood is effectively electronically locked. Maybe you won't even be able to change the air filter. Maybe they're going to construe it so that in order to unlock the latch on the air filter housing, you're going to have to hit a chip on the a button on the scan tool that connects through Bluetooth in order to change that or maintain it. Trust yeah. me, it's it's yeah. it's it's excellent. We're, excellent we're, thing we're, you bring it up. I'm telling you, this is what's going on because as we're doing what we're doing here, fighting our causes. I'm a volunteer fireman. We're fighting our causes up here. In the background, we got lobbyists doing what they're doing for the big business people, right. and, and it's it's a shame. And here's and, and here's the and here's the real else. problem. We're distracted. You and I are just a couple of working guys. We're distracted by exactly. trying to survive, and while we're trying to survive, the noise in the background is keeping us from seeing what's really going on. And that is that they're after our wallet once again and it's still a problem when it comes to cars always follow the money and auto repair and anything in the automotive business it's all about the dollar so um good conversation frank keep them coming i appreciate you being there and if there's anything i can do to help you or anyone else you just guys know where to find me ron at cardoctorshow.com i'll be back right after this don't go away Welcome back. Ron and Amy in the Car Doctor at your service at 855-560-9900. Let's get over to the busy phones. Talk to Andrew in Ramsey, New Jersey. Andrew, welcome to the Car Doctor. How can I help? How you doing? Good. Uh, just a question. Uh, I have a 2010 uh, Subaru Forester. I had taken it in for some uh, recall uh, repairs. At, when I was at the dealer, and they were doing it. They do their inspection of everything, and they said, oh, your brakes, your rear brakes are at four millimeters. They should be replaced. So I was like, all right, you know, I usually take it to my dealer, uh, my uh, mechanic. So I took it over just to get an estimate. And uh, what I, what, what I want to know is the pads are covered, I always know. Excuse me? Go ahead, what? Say what, Andrew? Uh, the pads are usually covered, um, but uh, I want to know, do you always have to replace the rotors? When you say the pads are covered, what do you mean the pads are covered? Well, they're, they're lifetime with, through uh, my mechanic. They're like, they'll replace them for free. Right, Okay. 
Uh, so what you're saying is your mechanic offers to replace the brake pads for free, but then he wants to charge you to either replace or machine the rotors. Yes, and they were just done about a year ago, February of last year. So is it always necessary to have the rotors replaced if, or just put new pads on? Okay. Here's, 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 here, here's my thoughts on this, all right? And this is 43 years of fixing cars talking. First of mm -hmm. all, all right, brake pads always need a fresh surface to seat against, okay? So mm -hmm. when, you, when you replace pads without doing anything to rotors, whether you machine or replace them, then you're really just asking for trouble because the the brake pad has to be scuffed to wake it up in a sense. Think of it like this. They finish it to a certain level, and they want it scuffed up so that it's – I always think of it in my mind as activated so the juices flow, but that's not really what happens. But it's the idea that the pads wake up and they take a certain set so that they get the best coefficient of friction, they get the best drag. When you hit the brakes, they stop, they grip. You know, if, if you ever notice brakes to a point, you ever take a ride up uh, a, a mountain drive, you ever come down Skyline Drive in West Milford and you notice when you get to the bottom of the mountain how hard the brakes are working and sometimes you lose braking ability? Yes. You, you've overheated the brake pad, not by intention, but just by it's such a steep decline. You're just you're yeah. coming straight down for two miles, <laughs> yeah. right? Know the road. So, so you, you, you've, you've overheated the pad, okay? Brake pads will work within a certain heat range, and the idea is that the scuff, when you put on a fresh set of pads and either machine or replace the rotors, that scuff wakes the pad up. But you can always overheat it, as I'm trying to say on Skyline. That, okay. that being said, the answer to your question is yes. You have to do something to the pet, to the rotors to either, you know, something to scuff them to wake them up. That's number one. Number two, all right, most rotors today on most cars, I don't care where they're from. I don't care if it's a Subaru, a Chevy, a Ford, a Chrysler, whatever, all right, whether they're new from the manufacturer that, you, you know, this is the first brake job at 40,000 miles or it's the repetitive brake repair every 40, so you're at 120 and you're, you're doing brakes. Most of the rotors today cannot, in my opinion, be machined, and I'll tell you why. They're generally too thin by the time you get to the point of doing that brake repair that if they allow 40 thousandths tolerance, and for everyone's you know benefit out there, take your thumb and forefinger, put it at a certain distance, come in 40 thousandths, that's the minimum that that rotor can be thickness-wise so that it's considered safe and it can handle the stress and the load of operating the car. That being said, to machine these rotors, they're usually so rust blistered, all right, and usually it's because of the salt and the corrosive material they put down on the roads to keep things, you know, the ice off the road and the snow, yeah. that you're at the point where to cut below that rust, you've now made the rotor undersized and it's unsafe. Or the rotor's just permanently pimpled and acneed that it just can't be machined, so you're going to end up replacing it. We had a... Let me think what it was. We had a 2011 Toyota Corolla yesterday, pads and rotors. The front and mm -hmm. first time doing brakes, 48,000 miles on the car. The front rotors were concave. The pad had it was such a it was such a hard pad and a softer rotor that it had concaved the rotor so that if you dragged your fingers across the face of it when it was cool, not hot, obviously, you would feel that outer lip. And there was there was probably a good four or five thousandths outer lip that couldn't be cut. So you would have to machine the rotor down to that level 
And at that point, there was so much rust, the inside face of the rotor was delaminating. You ever see a Formica countertop just delaminate where the glue comes undone and it starts to lift off? That's yeah. that's what the rotor was doing. So that's my second argument for not machining rotors. They're just they're they're just not of good quality to machine. All right. Okay. Third third and last thought. Okay, and I and I and I say this as gently as I can. Everybody's got a gimmick. There's no way anybody can guarantee brakes for life and do that and give you something for free without knowing they can charge you for something else. Yeah. And I figured. If, if right, you know what? There's no free lunch. All right. Yep. I mean, listen, yep. you're from Jersey. You know how the game gets played. Uh, one one thing I can say about Jersey people is some of the smartest in the world because it's really rough around here, and you've got to know how it, yeah. how it, things operate. Um, if if they're taken with the, if they're given with this hand, they're taken with the other, and that's just how it works. And yeah. when when yeah. you add it up at yeah. the end of the day, now you do have a legitimate argument. If the brakes were done a year ago, what was the yeah, guarantee? Rear brakes were done in February. Okay, so it's it's the rear brakes were done February of fifteen, so a year and three yeah. months. Is, yeah, I is put it, about maybe thirty thousand miles on it before then. Okay, so isn't isn't your argument that you know, gee, I'm a good customer. How come a year and three months out of warranty? If it's a year warranty, I have to pay for any of this all over again. Go back and see. Well, what, that's what I'm going to ask. Go back and see, <laughs> go back and see what kind of argument he gives you then. Um, you know, one of the things I stress to people is you only get one chance to annoy a customer. And and after that, they become a new customer somewhere else. My father laid carpet for many years, and I remember as a kid, he would come home and tell my mom, you know, there's no such thing as a new customer. There's just somebody that got annoyed somewhere else, and they had to go elsewhere. But never, never than anything, never more than anywhere else can I make this statement, believe it to be true, and I believe it true in a lot of businesses. In auto repair, you really get what you pay for. And there's there's a hundred ways for somebody to pull the wool over your eyes, but there's only one way to do a job, regardless of money, and that's doing it right. You do pads, you replace rotors, you lube slides, you do a brake fluid flush, because it's not about cheap, it's about safe, and that's kind of the yep. bottom line. All right, kiddo. Okay. So. Yep, I appreciate the time. You're, you're very welcome. Good luck to you, and thanks for being a fan. Eight five 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 six zero nine nine zero zero. Ron and Annie in the Car Doctor. We are back right after this. Car Doctor, 855-560-9900 is the phone number. Hey, you know, we've come around to that portion of the show that everyone looks forward to each and every week. If you have gotten out to the Facebook page and like the page and then ask us a question, we use your question up here on air, Ron and Annie and the Car Doctor, we're going to give you a send you out a Car Doctor t-shirt, and that's just what we're about to do now. And I think Tom's got my question for me, Tom. Do you have my question? Right. Yes, I did. Good. Um, what question do you have, sir? Wish I had a voice like his. Actually, yeah. we have a question here yeah. from Toe's Toes older brother Tang. Toe's older brother Tang. That's what it says right here. Okay. It, it sounds like a Johnny Carson uh, routine, you know, with uh, Karnak the Magnificent. Right. Uh-huh. Uh, but he asks, and this is a great question, I have an 06 Honda SI, Honda Civic SI. Honda states that the OEM Platinum plugs last 100,000 miles. 
when should I change my spark plugs? I love this kind of a question, and I'll tell you why. Yeah, the manufacturer says the plugs last 100,000 miles. The question is, can you get them out of the head? And, and that's always the issue because, you know, they're a steel plug and an aluminum head, and over the period of time they heat up and cool down cycles and uh, things get rusted and corroded. I mean, look at it. It's an 06. It's 10 years old. Will the plug come out of the head? And all the money that you saved on not having to replace the plugs is sure going to be evaporated when you have to pull the head after the spark plug hole strips out and you have to repair it and you can't repair it on the car. And all of a sudden, whew, it's a nightmare. So I generally like to do the, the you know, the 20% factor in the back of my mind to be safe. So if, if it calls for it at 100,000, 80, all right, 80 is a pretty good number. And then I'm real particular about what I'll replace them with. And this applies for everything. You know, if they tell me coolant is five-year antifreeze, I'm looking to replace it in four because I want to do it before it becomes a problem. You know, auto repair and maintenance is a lot like getting sick. You want to avoid getting sick, so you have to get better. You want to just do the maintenance beforehand so you don't have the problem. So taking everything to the cutting edge generally results in a little bit of a disaster because every once in a while something sneaks past that you missed or you've got that one car, that that, that one of a 1,000 cars, that it didn't work out quite right. So letting it go to the manufacturer's spec didn't actually help you, it hurt you. And in regards to spark plugs, if you are going to change these plugs, here's where a product like Denso, the Denso TT spark plugs, really shines because Denso, when they designed the Denso TTs, actually put a lubricant on the threads to help prevent corrosion and locking into the head. It's actually got a little bit of a lubricant there so that it will help in spark plug removal when you want to change them the next time around. And, well, while I still would do them at the next 80,000-mile interval, besides getting the best performance out of any spark plug on the marketplace today, the Denso TTs, you're pretty sure they're going to come out because they, unlike the OEM plug, will have some sort of a lubricant there to help in removal. More information at DensoTT.com, by the way. So listen, Toe's older brother, Tang. I don't know what your real name is, but uh, we appreciate the question, and you appreciate you being a fan out on Facebook. If you would email me, ron at cardoctorshow.com, your information, we'll get a, a Car Doctor T-shirt out to you. I need a dress and shirt size, and uh, we'll get a Car Doctor T-shirt out to you. And uh, thanks for being a part of the Car Doctor Nation and for looking us up on Facebook. Let's get over and talk to Stan in Chisholm, Minnesota, with a 2000 Buick Park F. Stan, welcome to the Car Doctor, sir. How can I help? Yeah, Ron, just to follow up on that last question that guy had about those plugs. Right. I have a, I have a 2000 Buick uh, 3800 engine. Right. Does that, does, that have, does that have an aluminum head on it, do you know? Uh, I believe that is cast iron, Stan, but have the, have the plugs been done in it yet? You know, I don't know because I bought it used. I got to go back and look through the book. Right, and 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 then the other issue is that particular car should have spark plug wires on it yet, so it's going to become yeah. it's going to become plugs and wires. Make sure right. make sure that when you change the wires, you use a bit of dielectric grease in the end of the boot, and make sure you use a good quality plug wire to go along with those Denso plugs. Oh, okay, good. All right, sir. So, one more question on those sure. plugs. Yeah. Should a guy put some uh, high high temp anti seize on the threads? No, you don't. You don't need. Well, first of all, on a Denso TT, you do not need to. There is, like I said, there is a there's an there's a lubricant impregnated into the thread that prevents the seizing and galling issue. Number one. Number two, anti seize. 
You know, Stan, I, I, I can't prove it, but from my observation seat in the shop, I think Annie C's has changed the formulation over the last 10 or 15 years to the point that I don't use it anywhere near as much as I used to. What I've noticed, Annie C's, when it gets dry and older, they've, they've either put so much glass in it or they've changed the formula that now it gets crumbly and paste-like, and I find it actually started to bind and prevent removal. It became an issue. So my secret, when I want something to go in easy and come out easy, uh, and it's been working for the longest time, is I just put a drop of plain old motor oil on the thread of whatever I'm working on, the bolt, the spark plug. Uh, if it's not a dense OTT, or I'll, I'll just put a drop of motor oil there and you know assemble it that way. Never had anything come loose, never had an issue, and generally when I need to take it apart, it comes right apart. And the nice thing is the oil, once it gets into the porosity of the steel, I find that it'll be there underneath the nut where if moisture tries to get in there, the oil holds that barrier back and keeps it from getting in and rusting everything together. So um, you had a quick question, Stan, real quick? Okay. Yeah, real quick. Is, uh, you know, my 2000 uh, Buick Park Avenue, right. uh, I, have a, I have a leaky exhaust system, you know, and uh, it's getting worse, and I noticed that uh, yesterday I got a check engine light. Okay. Is there any correlation between a check engine light and a, and a leaky sure, exhaust? Sure, very, very well could be. If, if that exhaust leak is before the primary or even the secondary oxygen sensor there's going to be two oxygen sensors on that there's going to be a pre and a post cat o2 if the ox if the exhaust leak is before either of those then the issue could be that you're seeing a false air coming into the system and the o2 sensor isn't responding the way it should and the the PCM, the onboard vehicle computer, has now detected hey something's askew with one or both of the o2s and it thinks that you've got an O2 sensor circuit fault when really the exhaust leak is a, is is the culprit there. So, you know, you're going to have to get it scanned, pull codes. You know, you start seeing P0135, P0136, 139, things like that, O2 sensor-related problems. Then you're going to have to take a look at the exhaust system, fix that, and then go on and diagnose the O2s after the fact because you could be going through a false diagnosis. Stan, I appreciate the call. I'm going to pull over and take a pause right now. I'm running in the car doctor. I'll be back right after this. Welcome back. We're on the Indian Car Doctor. The phone number is 855-560-9900. The Car Doctor's 24-7 number. Call, leave a message, and Fast Harry, our executive producer. If we're not on the air, we're live Saturdays, 2 to 4 p.m. Eastern Time. Fast Harry, our executive producer, will call you back and put you in the lineup, and we can talk to you up here on air like we did with everybody else this hour and help solve your automotive problem. Just give you a little bit of a better understanding of the automobile, and that's that's really all we want to do. No egos here. We're just trying to dispel information and uh, just uh, clear up some of the misinformation that's out there, and there seems to be an awful lot of it. Quick piece of email. Hey, Ron, I'm from Western Australia. I love the podcast. You know, we're big in Australia, Tom. Look at this. It's crazy, right? Um, who knew? Uh, yeah, who knew? 
If you get the time on your show, can you discuss my question? I have a 2014 Mazda B250. It's actually a Ford Ranger with a Mazda badge. It has the 6R 86-speed automatic. The service manual said to change the oil after 250,000 kilometers. I think it's too long. Can I get your thoughts on this, please? I look forward to listening to your podcast. Cheers from Roger Down Under. Uh, Roger, yeah, and listen, I converted it. 250,000 kilometers is about 160,000 miles. 160,000 miles on the original transfluid? I think the manufacturer is out of their minds. And I think you've got to look at a lot of things, especially, uh, you know, environment and moisture and a slew of other factors. I would be changing that transfluid at the latest 100,000 miles and realistically more along the lines of every 60,000 miles. Till the next time, I'm Ron Anini, the car doctor. The mechanics aren't expensive. They're priceless. See ya. See ya.